Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. We're going to continue our series called The World of Words. The world, world, the world of words. Who could say that they have had something from this series encourage them or speak to them? Uh, we've heard a, a brilliant testimony from Tammy a couple of weeks ago about what God did as she declared the Word of God, as she spoke out the Word of God and she was believing for a job, and she got this job. That's very exciting. We're celebrating with you. So we're in this series called The World of Words, and a lot of this series, we've recognised how our words make, how words make us feel and how words make people around us feel. And I think we could all say that we have been impacted in one way or another, positively, or negatively around the area of our words. So something that someone has said to us has either helped or in some cases, maybe in a lot of cases, hurt us. And sometimes we have said things that have done the same. Sometimes our words have helped others. Sometimes our words have healed others. Sometimes our words have hurt others. Guilty, okay? And so we are challenged with this idea of using our words to create positive environments, to create atmospheres, to create relational spaces through what God has entrusted us with, with our words. And so we've been talking about how our words make how words make us feel and others feel. But my first question today is have you ever considered how our words make God feel? Have you ever considered how our words make God feel? Let me read a passage of scripture from Ephesians chapter 4, 29 and 32. You can follow along by reading on the screen, listening or uh, in your own Bible or device. So this is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says this, he says, Don't let any unwholesome talk... Come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. So no unwholesome talk, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Our vision as a church is to create spaces where people belong. That's one of the key things that we're about. And... 
being in a community and being in a, a place where you can belong, to do that, you have to get close to, it, to one another. And you have to, there requires a different level of proximity. And so this is a different way of looking at things. When you want to belong, you have to get a little bit closer. You have to be a little bit more vulnerable. And who knows that when you do those kind of things, the chances that you can get hurt are much higher. So you can have a, a type of church where it's like a high five. You come in, have a coffee, listen to some uh, worship, sing along, hear a, a great message, head out. And that's, I think that's good. That's positive. But being in a community that's based on belonging, where over time you grow into friendship and relationship with each other, that requires a different thing. Now, we are so fortunate that God, in his grace, he has revealed himself to us through Jesus and he releases to us as Christians, as Jesus followers, the Holy Spirit which is the spirit of belonging. He's the spirit that enables us to belong to Jesus, but he's also the spirit that enables us to belong to each other. And so when Paul says, talking about uh, our words and the impact of our words being they can either be unwholesome or they can build one another up, and he says, do not grieve the spirit of God, what he's talking about is impacts on the Holy Spirit based on his proximity to us. So God has allowed the Spirit to be within us in relationship and to be close to us. And I don't know if you've thought about this or heard this taught before, but the Holy Spirit is a person. Yes, he's described as wind, he's described as energy. Why is that? Because he's not locked down, he's unlimited, but he is also a person. And he reveals himself in relationship to us. And what this means is our words can have an impact on him. It says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Our words can make God feel. This is an interesting and also a wonderful concept. The Holy Spirit is a person. He loves us. He's a sign that we belong, a seal. He prays for us, guides us, comforts us. He convinces us what is right and wrong. And there's power in understanding that the Holy Spirit is a person with whom he celebrates with joy with us. There is joy. But also, he grieves. Sometimes he grieves with us, with the pain that we experience. But sometimes our actions and our words grieve him. They impact him. When you have this understanding, it changes and it motivates and it produces something within you. When we know this, we can see how much better we are loved by God. I don't think 
or I certainly haven't, but, and I've not heard of a human experience where we have felt love from an impersonal force. That's not the na- nature of love. Love is based on relationship. Love is based on belonging. It's based on proximity. And when we see the Holy Spirit as a person who desires to reveal himself to us and in us as a person, we can recognize how much more we are loved by God. The second thing is it motivates us to holiness. Our perspectives change when we realize that our sin, our actions and our words, the times that we reject what is good, when we realize that, that can have an effect on God. It changes the way because I wouldn't want to do that. I wouldn't want to hurt God. I wouldn't want to grieve the Spirit. I know that I do it. But with every relationship that I have, I want that relationship, every meaningful relationship, I want that relationship to be one of love, to be one of kindness, to be one of honour. And when we see God as, and see the Holy Spirit personally, it changes the way that we talk, the way that we think, and the way that we act. And it's a powerful, powerful thought. You know, God is so good to us. He is so personal. He cares about us so much. And uh, I want to quickly uh, invite Lyndall to come up and she's going to just share a really short part of a testimony that she shared uh, last week, which was really, really encouraging. So why don't you welcome Lyndall? Um. Hello. (laughs) I'm not quite sure how this fits into Andrew's theme, but anyway, I'll tell you. Um, I was a middle child in my family. Um, My brother was 18 months older than me and my sister's over five years younger. So my brother and I were very close growing up. Um, I think um, probably six, seven kids between our two families in 15 years and life put a bit of a gap in that. But... I still knew he was there for me if I needed him and every so often there'd be the emergency phone call to ask him if he could come and jump my car or or something like that. Um, But August last year, I got a phone call just after I'd arrived at work one morning to say that he had taken his own life. And you can imagine there's lots of emotions that go with that, uh, guilt that... I wasn't there for him or that he didn't know that I was there for him and confusion as to how a a godly Christian man who's walked with God all his life could come to that point. Worry for his family and his his wife of 32 years and his grown-up kids. Um, Anger, I guess. Um, Lots and lots of different emotions. But um, we got through the initial, you know, the things you have to do. And then I discovered after a short period of time when I'd got over absolutely dwelling on every photo that I could find of us in our childhood and and so on, that I put all that away and every time 
I had a thought about my brother. Although, you know, I, I'd been reassured that one mistake, uh, one wrong decision at, you know, a crucial wrong decision, but anyway, a wrong decision is not going to separate him from God for eternity. We will meet again. But I was putting every thought of him aside. If he, you know, he popped up in my memory, I'd just sort of think, no, I can't deal with you right now. Um, and so for about 14 months it was was like that. But here, um, three or four or five or six weeks ago, <laughs> the week that um, jo- um, Josh spoke, I can't even remember what part of the service it was, it was probably during worship, we were challenged that if there was something that we needed to relinquish to God, to do it now. And I was just sort of standing there saying, okay, is there anything God? And I felt him say, what about your grief? What about your denial? And so I just quietly, with no no particular fanfare, just said, okay, Lord, just I give it to you. And thought no more about it, really. But the next day I realised that I was, I had a memory of my brother and I could see his face and I could think about it and had no, no, um, none of those negative emotions attached to it. And I can remember him and I can see his face and I can remember happy memories now. And I can truly say that God has been faithful to me my whole life and this was one big thing that I wondered whether I'd, get through and be able to still say that but I can God is faithful thank you what a thank you so much Lyndall what a powerful testimony and the reason that I asked Lyndall to share that um, well there's a number of reasons one is we we want to celebrate with her you know as family but also it just demonstrates the personal nature of God that God knows enough, he cares enough, he loves enough, and he has power enough to meet Lyndall in Kedron, in Australia, at this time, with a, a word that is so personal that meets her exactly where she is at. And so I asked her, part of the reason I asked her to share that is to just remind us of how much God loves us, how personal he is. And when we get a revelation of that, that begins to motivate something that is different within us. You know, Christianity is not behavior modification. It's not a whole bunch of do's and don'ts. Yes, there is so so much practical wisdom in the Bible, but it's something where you acknowledge from deep within that God loves you so much. He places his spirit within you. And then you learn how to value that. You learn how to honor that. And you allow God's presence to work within you. You learn how to trust him in every single area of your life. And so God is so loving, so personal. But at the same time, we recognize that our words can hurt him. Our actions can hurt him. And Paul says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Ephesians uh, 4.29, that first part, it's talking about words which are, uh, one of the, the translations would have given this word picture, or sorry, the Greek would have given this word picture, 
rotten trees and rotten fruit. Unkind, dishonest, vulgar words, words which are misaligned with your desire to follow Jesus. And words which hurt others and hurt God. And you know, sometimes when we are in moments where we're not thinking clearly or acting clearly like we would want to, and we've got these, uh, these words as weapons, which I'll talk about, that they can not only have a damaging effect on the people that we're aiming them at, but they also hurt ours. Like earlier this week, I was on the tube, the YouTube, and looking up uh, recoil uh, photos where people are using weapons. And so this lady has a, a cult magnum, okay? So the one from Dirty Harry, if you're old enough to remember that. And so she's aiming this. She's never used it before. And the recoil comes back. She's aiming it here, comes back and hits her in the head. I found it funny. Does that make me a bad person? I don't know. <laughs> we'll have a poll afterwards. We'll have voting box. Is he a bad person? Yes or no? Probably. Anyway, we'll deal with that later. But our words can hurt others, but they can also hurt us. And there's a beautiful contrast here with this unwholesome talk. And the contrast in the, the last part of this verse says, but only instead, only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. What's this talking about? It's talking about our responsibility based on our love for God to impart grace with our words, grace for the moment. That's what it means to build someone else up. It means that I have the ability through the spirit that is within me to bring a word of grace that is custom made for the moment. A word of grace that is custom made for the moment. And I'd like to say I do that all the time, but I don't. But that's where I'm going. To be known as somebody who carries a word that is custom made with grace for the moment. I don't know if you remember uh, the, the term weapons of mass destruction. Who's ever heard that term? It was very big, particularly in the early 2000s. In the early 2000s, when uh, the Americans invaded Iraq, WMDs. So that was the, the pretense for the invasion. Whether or not they existed at that time or not, they did exist at one time. But these are words which, uh, so these are weapons which are nuclear, biological, or chemical. These are not ordinary weapons. And as I was preparing this, I was thinking about this list that Paul gives in verse 31 and this list of words of mass destruction. And maybe you've been on the receiving end of them. Maybe there's still something that God still needs to heal. Maybe you've been on the giving end of them. But wherever you are, we're going to aiming and targeting our words to be words that carry grace. But let's talk about these. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. And so these words of mass destruction 
I love the definitions of those on the next slide. It talks about, number one, bitterness. Great definition, actually, originally just. Uh, derived from uh, Aristotle's definition. It says, the resentful spirit which refuses reconciliation. That's bitterness. Rage and anger, the flaring up of passion and temper because of personal personal provocation. Brawling, the loud self-assertion of the angry person who will make everyone hear his grievance. Slander, abusive words against others and malice used as a bit of a catch-all for every other type of destructive words. And I don't know about you, but at occasions in my life, there's, I've been guilty of all of those. But God is calling us to something different. It's important to recognize what we're up against, the power to acknowledge that these things are sometimes at work within us, but also to see the plan and purposes of God. Again, we see another beautiful contrast in verse 32. And Paul says, Be kind and compassionate to one another. So instead of those things, let's be kind and compassionate. Forgiving each other just as how Christ God forgave you just as how in Christ God forgave you so we recognize that the source of the change the source of the pivot to go from what is ugly ugly words within us to something that is beautiful to go from something that is damaging to something that carries grace to build is Christ within us but exactly how can we do this And if we jump a couple of verses in Ephesians 5, we see a new target. And this is what I wanted to present to you as a new goal and a new target for your words. And Paul says, For once you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And listen to this. This is very, very significant. Find out what pleases the Lord. Why do I love this statement? One of the reasons I love this statement is it doesn't assume that we know. And it doesn't assume that wherever we are, that we have got this in the right perspective in the right way. And so it's we are invited on this journey which starts on the inside to find out what pleases the Lord. What about you today? This statement, how do you respond to that? I know for me it is it's a wonderful for me it carries grace. It's a wonderful statement, but it just invites me to continue to put my eyes on Jesus and to find out what pleases him because I don't want to hurt him for my, with my words. I don't want to hurt others with my words. In my experience, most people use their words to achieve a number of different things. I'll read out a list, maybe think about which one is you. So people want to use our words so that others applaud us or admire us. 
maybe leave us alone, obey us, or get things done? That's my little kind of list. Which one would you say is your primary one? That you want people to applaud you, admire you, leave you alone, obey you, or get things done? I don't know. But there's a different target to please God. What if we woke up every day and said, God, today I want to find out what pleases you and I want to do it. And this comes and it intersects with our hearts by asking ourselves what we really want. Now, it's easy in our society, it's easy in Australia just to go along with the crowd. And so we could say, well, what do you want? What do you want out of life? Would you be happy if you had a house? For some people, it's like, what I really want from life is a house. I'd love to own my own home. Some people, it's like, yeah, I want to strive more in the Australian uh, upper middle class dream. I want to have two houses. And I want to have two cars, maybe a boat or a jet ski. This is pretty common for Australians. That's the upper middle class dream. This is what we want. We want to have that kind of financial security. For other people, it might be more than that. For others, you might want to be popular. You might want to be famous. You probably don't want to admit it publicly, but maybe privately. You want to be famous. You want to be well-known. Others, you just want to live a quiet and comfortable life. You might want career, career success. You may want to travel the world, which is a little bit different, difficult at the moment. Or you just may have as your number one goal, marriage and family. Now, in that list, I'm not saying that those things are wrong. But what I am saying is that if we put Jesus first and find out what pleases him, he will lead us. He will guide us and he will give us deep fulfillment of purpose and meaning. But importantly, we'll be able to carry peace and the peace of God within us and with our words. Find out what pleases the Lord. Do you know? Would you say that you've got a good awareness? Would you say that the words that you speak are words which are pleasing? Would you say that your words are consistent? That when you're here talking to people in this church environment, when you're talking to different groups of friends or in your workplace, would you say that there's a general consistency of flow, of tone, in language? Do you have a language A and a language B? Are you a little bit bilingual? Okay? But when we get to this point of congruence, of integrity, based on our desire to follow Jesus, it is a really, really powerful thing for us. I'm going to finish just with what I'm calling a prayer for the courageous. So if you are interested in taking on a challenge, this prayer is for you. And we're going to be done in three minutes. So it is going to be awesome. Maybe even less. Maybe if I move on, it'll be even less than less. 
This is a prayer for the courageous. And I've been encouraging you guys to pray out loud in your own home every day. Just a simple prayer. There's so much power in that. And this is the prayer. God help me want what you want and help me love what you love. This prayer has incredible power to change your life because it doesn't deal with behavior. It deals with desire. And it invites God. This is a prayer that says, God, I'm, I don't even maybe know everything that pleases you, but I want to know. And so this is a powerful prayer. I want to invite you this week. Maybe you can set a reminder. Maybe you can put something in your diary. Just to, to say each day, have it pop up at a time that chooses you. And if you were to speak out those words, God, help me want what you want and love what you love, you'll see a change. This is the heart of what it means to live a life that pleases God. I don't know about you, but there's lots of distractions. There's lots of competing priorities. There's lots of things that appear good, but are essentially hollow. They promise the world and deliver pain. But God's not like that. He wants to change us from the inside out. Let's pray together, huh? Thank you, God. God, we thank you and we honour you for who you are. And God, as a church, as a community, we want to please you. That is our heart's desire. We don't want to hurt you. We don't want to grieve you. We don't want our words or our attitudes to offend you, to not honour you. But God, we don't even know how to do that most of the time. And we don't have the power to do that most of the time. And so we start with this prayer from deep within. Help us love what you love and want what you want. And Lord, we're okay for that to take us wherever you want us to go. Lord, I pray for those that are right now, they have fear and anxiety for the future. I pray for those that are dealing with difficult and complicated relational issues. Lord, I pray for those who are needing employment. Lord, I know that you are personal, that you will meet them where they're at, that you will provide all their needs. And so, God, we thank you and we honour you for those, those things. But at our very core, we want our hearts to be directly connected to your heart and we want to grow into being like you and to wanting what you want. And so, God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, uh, our team's going to bring some uh, drinks and some food. Here's what I would love for us to do as a growing community. I would love for us to think in horseshoes. What a weird thing to say. Okay, he's lost it. You're like, he's lost it. I thought it would be at least more towards the end of the year, December, but he's, he's lost a little bit early. Uh, a horseshoe is, has an opening. 
And so when you're connecting with other people, leave a bit of space for someone to come and join your conversation. That's what it means to be in horseshoes. And so we've got one of the best things about church is people of all different generations and backgrounds. The only reason that we're here together is Jesus. And so let's just make sure that we keep those, uh, those uh, don't close the circle, but keep it open like a horseshoe and uh, enjoy a little bit of uh, a chat. Ask people questions about what they do during the week. And uh, it's great to get to know each other. So thank you very much. If anyone wants prayer, there will be a couple of people praying down here. But enjoy yourself. Thanks. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.